0: All right, how's everybody doing? Good, good. let's grab that big little clunky thing. All right, so yeah, I'm Steve Nelson, and I'm one of the pastors in El Paso, Texas. Some of you may not even know where El Paso is. Basically, if you get on the interstate, and you drive down south, and you just take it all the way until you hit Mexico, and then you come back 10 miles, that's my house. So that's where we live. We've been there for about 16 years. Uh, I was actually a pastor in this church many, many years ago, probably 26, 27 years ago, something like that. And then uh, I was a pastor in Greeley, and uh, that would have been 16 years ago or so. So uh, it's, it's great to see you all. You may not know me, but I know a lot of your parents, and it's always fun to be here and just to share with you guys and share a little bit of my life. So, um, I've got a couple of kids here, uh, Zareb, who was up here on the base, Zeb, where are you at, Zeb? He's, he's, already left, he's, there he is, and there's Jay-Z, so uh, there's my, my two youngest kids, so. They're a lot of, a lot of fun, I'm really proud of them, they're great kids, and, um, I just really have a heart for my kids, and I want them to do well, and I I don't want them to make some of the same mistakes that I made in life, and, you know, my heart for them would be that they would follow God, and that they would live good lives, and that they would just have an impact on this world, and so, to me, that's, that's my heart for them. That's my heart for all of you guys, and that's why we're doing this conference is the idea is, has... The speakers, as we've gone through life, we've made some mistakes and we've done some foolish things. And we look back, it's like, oh, I wish, wish somebody would have said this to me. And that's, that's what we're doing. It's like, this message is what I wish I would have heard. And so we'll talk about that in just a, a second, just a little bit more about me. I'm, uh, the last few years I've been a trail runner, which is kind of a, a new thing for me. I don't know how I fell into that. This kind of a strange thing, but trail running is a lot like hiking, except faster and with more trips to the emergency room. And so I've really enjoyed that. I used to be a runner back in kind of middle school and high school. I wasn't particularly good at it. Like I was decent, but like I never went to state or anything like that. The reality was I just wasn't good at sports and I wasn't coordinated. And so I couldn't hit a ball, I couldn't catch a ball, I couldn't throw a ball, but I could kind of stand upright. And so track and cross-country, those were kind of my things. And when I was, I think it was when I was a junior, I went to Junior Olympics. And that sounds like, oh, the Olympics, that's amazing. So basically it's like, you know, three people try out and two of you get to go, right? So, So I made it to the regionals and... I did the 400 hurdles there. And it was in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And I needed to come in first or second to go to nationals. And I came in third. And there were probably only three runners. I don't really remember. But, uh, but one of the things I remember while I was there is that the, the family that I traveled with, they took us around seeing the city a little bit. And there was this place that had these flower gardens. I think this is a picture of the place. And and it was just amazing. I'd never really seen anything like that before. And we went through and I was just like, "Whoa, this is so cool. So beautiful." I've never really been into flowers and gardening and that sort of thing, but I can appreciate, you know, it's it's really pretty. And so I went back home to Council Bluffs, Iowa. And my parents had this house a little bit out in the country. And there's a little bit of a hill kind of behind our house. And so I thought it'd be cool, you know, I should just really make this beautiful and plant some flowers here. And so I started doing that. But, you know, I realized that flowers are kind of hard to grow. And so I found that what really grew well without a lot of attention was thistles. And so I just bought a bunch of thistle seeds and planted the whole hillside behind my house. And then I uh, went off to college and spent some time there. Came back four and a half, five years, and this hillside was just amazing. Just beautiful flowers everywhere, different colors. It's spelled out Nelson on the hill, and there's a little path, like, through it all. And I just used to love to go and hang out and just enjoy the beauty of it all. And you guys probably know I'm lying, that, you know, like, well, there's no way you're a runner, right? No, I'm just kidding. You, you know I'm lying about the flower part, right? Because it just doesn't work that way. You, you can't just plant thistle seeds and flowers come up. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. And you can't, like, plant a bunch of seeds even and then run off and disappear for five years and then come back and everything's this beautiful garden. It, it needs to be tended and worked and things. And, and that's what I want to talk about here today is, the, the law of sowing and reaping, and it comes from this verse, maybe, there we go, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows, or sometimes we don't use those words very much, so, so reap means to harvest, so sow means to plant, so if you plant thistle seeds, you get thistles, if you plant flowers, hopefully you get flowers, it might take a little more work, but that's the basic idea. And what I want to talk about is, is that concept. Big picture, is, it's the gravity of sin. And I don't think as a teenager I really understood the gravity of sin. I thought sin was just kind of, ah, eh, it's no big deal, it doesn't really hurt anybody, and I can do whatever. And it didn't really work out that way. So let's pray. We'll talk about that some more. Lord, we ask that you would bless this time here. God, this is not a topic that's fun or funny or the enjoyable. Nobody likes this. Uh, we don't really like messing up our lives either, though. And so I pray, God, that you would just help us to, to hear what you have here. I pray that you would help us to just kind of connect it with other things that we know about you, your love and your grace and your compassion and kindness toward us, but we would also just really understand your heart toward sin and the danger of sin. And, God, that you would just change the course of our lives here today in this talk, in each talk. God, that it would make a difference. So we ask for your blessing and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me share just a couple of stories about my own life. I guess just big picture as a teen, you know, you're about ready to kind of enter into adulthood, right? And so you're kind of dreaming about what that might look like. And for me, I think like most people, I thought, well, i I'm going to go off to college, I'm going to get a good job, I'm going to find a good wife and I'm going to be married and we're going to have this nice house and I'm going to you know, make a difference with my life, I'm going to give money to missionaries, I'm going to just have an influence in this world, make the world a little bit of a better place and you know, raise kids and we're all going to be in the church and follow God and, and that was kind of the picture that I had that you would think I would be making steps toward. And instead of planting those seeds, there were some other seeds that I planted. I think I felt like God's plan was kind of clunky and not very practical in experiencing the joy that I wanted in my life, particularly in the short term. And so I did some other things. I had a a girlfriend, and I won't go into the details of it, but uh, I was inappropriate with her, and we had a relationship that was... Not healthy and not good. And I thought, you know, like, oh, you know, I've never been liked before. And so it's kind of fun having somebody like you and to feel like you belong. And, and, and there was something that met a need in me there that I, I wanted. I didn't really want to do things God's way. I just, I just wanted to kind of grab this thing that was attainable to me. Uh, another thing. This is kind of silly, I guess, but I uh, I didn't really get into like drinking and drugs and laced brownies or anything like that. <laughs> like it just wasn't my thing. Um, it, but I didn't want to be like that nerdy Christian kid because I went to church every week or a couple times a week. And so so the way that I fit in was vandalism. And so I'd go out with my buddies and we would smash mailboxes or steal things out of people's yards and stuff like that, and I don't know, it might seem kind of harmless in hindsight, but uh, but yeah, th- those are just things that didn't really fit with this dream that I had. I wasn't planting seeds toward this great life that I wanted. I was just throwing thistle seeds around, and I look at some of my peers, I think a good friend of mine, he he had a girlfriend that he was being immoral with in high school, and, uh, and they seemed to really like each other, but, uh, man, things were not going in a good direction. And uh, he was a Christian. I'm, I don't know if she would have felt that she was at that time or not. I think I had a couple of people in my class um, who struggled with man, same-sex attraction type stuff. And uh, just, man, that'd be really hard. It'd be really hard to have that as a struggle. We all have different struggles. and That'd be challenging. So, so anyway, we, we all planted seeds according to our flesh. We planted choices, we made choices according to the things that we wanted in the short term, and thinking that that would maybe bring us some kind of satisfaction, some kind of joy. And, you know, it, it, eventually those seeds grow up, and you find out they're not quite what you were hoping they would be. They turn into the same thing that you planted, which wasn't what I hoped for at all. I wanted to plant my thistle seeds and get flowers. And so, you know, with my girlfriend, um, I think I felt obligated into a relationship that at some point probably shouldn't have gone forward, and we ended up getting married. And marriage was kind of, eh, And then eventually things kind of fell apart, and I went through a divorce, and then I was crushed. And as much as I wanted to be loved, man, oh, the pain that I went through was so much greater than any joy that I received. And I remember seeing... Um, TV show one time, was like Little House on the Prairie or something along those lines. And there were these mean little kids who had caught a turtle and they took it and they, they smashed it against a rock. And uh, that's how I felt. I just felt like this kind of the very fiber of my being had been crushed. And I knew, I, boy I knew right from the get-go, it's like, oh I brought this on myself. I planted these seeds. And now they've They've grown up, and this is what they grew up into. You know, Vandalism—I never really got caught by the police or anything I, that could have happened. It probably wouldn't even, you know, I probably wouldn't—you know—I probably would have got a slap on the wrist or whatever. But, um, but one of the things I'd wanted in my dream was to be a person of influence, and I had no influence, no Christian influence in my school. I think of Francis Chan. I remember him telling this story one time. He's a famous preacher. And he told the story of when he was in high school, he really felt compelled to, to talk to each of his classmates about Jesus. And so he went through the, the school directory and he called up every single one of his classmates and shared the gospel with them. And I thought, maybe I should have done that instead of stealing lawn ornaments and smashing mailboxes. You know, it's like I had no influence. Some buddies of mine, some buddies of mine they uh, stole a goat. And they broke a window at the school and they threw the goat inside and the, the goat just destroyed this classroom. And I was kind of offended when people blamed me. Like, oh, I can't believe you'd think I would do that. Well, I totally would have done that. I was gone that weekend. So <laughs> I had an alibi that worked out pretty well. But uh, that was totally me. And that was my reputation. That's what everybody thought. Nobody thought, oh, here's the good Christian kid. We should find out what he thinks about God. And, and so I lost my influence. I lost my influence. My friend... Uh, man, they had uh, they had an abortion in high school, and um, that was really sad. And then she married one of the kids from her class, and then I don't even know what happened there. But they ended up divorced and brokenhearted. And then uh, and then my friend and this girl got back together again, and uh, and then kind of had a happy family and raised these kids together. But they carried the the burden of this guilt that uh, they had killed their child. And, and, of course, the brokenheartedness of the broken relationship and the divorce and all kinds of, you know, just, just lots and lots of pain. Uh, the guy who had the same-sex attraction, I don't even know what happened to him. I don't even know. I, he's, he died this past year. But I, I do know this. I know the law of sowing and reaping. I, I know he went down a path that he should have veered off of. And he went down a path, and I have no doubt that that brought a lot of pain and brokenness into his life. And so it's like, man, if we can avoid that, <laughs> that would be great. And that's, that's what I want to share about. That, that's, that's my heart. And I'm sharing it full well knowing if I was sitting there, I would probably, kind of, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know that I would listen, but I, I beg you, listen Save yourself some pain. Go for the life that God has called you into instead of the snacks and treats that you want now. So let me just uh, share a little bit of just thinking about this. I I, I think we don't uh, don't go down, we don't avoid sin sometimes because we think it's kind of no big deal. And we think, well, God's a God of grace. So basically, we can have this mindset of all things work together for the good, and I can sin, I can do whatever, and, eh, it's all going to work out fine because I'm a Christian. And I just want to share with you this morning some ideas on why that may not be true. And so in our heads, we ask this question, well, how could we possibly reap pain, harvest pain, when God's a God of grace? Isn't it, I can do whatever, and it's going to work out fine. And I want just to challenge you to rethink that. And so one reason is just because sin has natural consequences. Proverbs 26, 27 says, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. The idea is kind of what you do comes back on you. If you're out to get somebody, you end up getting got. And just kind of interesting, obscure verse, I guess. A couple different thoughts here that are real similar. Proverbs 6, 27 Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And so here's this picture of somebody, you know, they wore robes back then, so he's probably wearing a robe. And if you could take hot coals and and stick them in your lap, well, for sure it would burn the robe. I mean, now we don't have robes, so it would burn our skin probably, but... Uh, but this is the pictures, like, like, when someone commits adultery, they're bringing this on themselves. Like, that'd be pretty foolish to think you could do that. And then, like, you're in, you and your clothes are going to get out of that unscathed, right? And so it's saying, at least with adultery, that, boy, that can come back and get you. Uh, another similar verse, not with adultery, but with the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. That phrase, pierce themselves, is kind of interesting. I think if someone, you know, if they took knives or arrows and just stabbed themselves, like, who would do that? Like, who you know, you just, you would never do that. That'd be so foolish. When I was a kid, probably first grade or so, I had a classmate, so I guess I'd be like six years old, and he was at home, and he was playing with a dartboard, and he had a dart stuck in the dartboard, and he hooked up a rubber band to it, and then he pulled it back, and it went, and stuck in the wall behind him. And he thought, that was pretty cool. And so then he did it again, but that time it hit him in the eye. And so he had to get a cornea transplant. It's not particularly foolish, like, you know, for a six-year-old, like, you know, you could put yourself in that place, like, oh, man, <laughs> you just don't think through the consequences, right? And, uh, and it just seemed like kind of a fun idea. But imagine, imagine the paramedics show up and there's not just one dart stuck in them, but imagine if you showed up and there's like eight darts, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I did it once and it hit me. And I thought, well, I bet I can do it again and not get hit. And well, then I got hit again. And then I tried it again. And I did it again and again. And 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 that picture of having eight darts stuck in your face is is what I saw. What I saw five or ten years after high school. You know, in high school, it's like, oh, everybody's having fun. Everybody's having a great time. I'm missing out. And then five or ten years later, it's like, oh, everybody's pierced themselves with many griefs. It's affected their relationships, their money, their health, their, their pursuit of God. Just everything was so affected because sin had natural consequences and impacted them deeply. I think we need to remember that Satan is out to destroy. It's not like, ah, oh, sin's no big deal. It's all gonna work out. You know, we have an enemy out there who is out to destroy, out to get us. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In context here, I think he's talking about false teachers. I think it'd be similar with Satan is, you know, he's not out just to help you have fun, which is the world's perspective, right? He's out to steal and kill and destroy Oh man, that sounds horrible. First Peter five eight. Be alert. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In a I think it's 2 Corinthians 11. It talks about Satan, how he masquerades as an angel of light. And if you put that together with this verse, it's kind of interesting because then he's a roaring lion, but he might look like an ice cream truck. You know? And so, you know, you hear the little song singing, and, and, oh, ice cream. Oh, that sounds great. And, you know, you get this guy in the ice cream truck, and he's like, you know, hey, do you want an ice cream bar? Oh, we got some really good ones covered with caramel and nuts. and Oh, it's amazing. And, and you go up and, and you get eaten by a lion. You know, <laughs> we got to be careful. We got to be careful. This is how God describes our enemy. And yet we can have this attitude like, well, I can send and do whatever, and it's going to be fine. It'll all work out. Well, why is he telling us about this whole lion thing then? We stayed at a little vacation rental place a few days ago, and it looked out over uh, kind of a cornfield that had been harvested, and there were deer out in that field frequently in the evenings and in the mornings. And I watched them for a while. They're they're pretty fascinating because because they uh, they just they're kind of doing their thing, right? They're just Grazing, kinda of eating corn cobs or whatever, and they eat and then they then they go on the alert. And then they'll eat and graze a little bit more and uh <laughs> and they're all doing it. And it's like but my first thought was chill out a little bit. Like <laughs> enjoy life. You don't need to be on the alert all the time. It'd be really interesting to see a study, like how often are they on the alert? Like it seems like like 20% of the timers. That's crazy. Yeah, you yeah, think about this verse, it's like, well, what kind of what kind of prey do lions go for? Well, deer-like prey, right? <laughs> like Gazelles and antelope and zebras and things that would be hard to sneak up on because they're always on the alert. <laughs> and yet we look at sin and we're like, eh, "It's nobody. Yeah, I can, I can fool around. It's not gonna, I'm not gonna cause any trouble. I, I can vandalize. I can do a few drugs. It's not really gonna hurt anybody. I can listen to false teachings. I can." You know, we can do all these different things and we're not careful. And then we're so surprised when things get crazy, right? When when what we planted grows to fruition. It's like, oh, that's that's bad. That's scary stuff. God hates sin. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Just We did a series at church just about how much God loves us. And it's fascinating because we know that Paul prays that that we would understand this love that's beyond knowledge, like that we would get this thing that we'll never be able to get. Because God's love for us is so great. And sometimes I talk about love and different verses and concepts, and it just feels so wrong that God could love us that much. Then the other thing I was thinking about is just how sin's kind of that way too. I don't know that we can really grasp how much God hates sin. Like, there are things that happen in the Bible that make us feel pretty uncomfortable. I think of the guy in the Old Testament when Jesus introduced the idea of taking off the Sabbath, and then this guy goes and collects firewood. And then they're like, hey, God, we caught this guy collecting firewood. What should we do? What would you do? I said, well, take away his firewood. He's not allowed to have a fire for two weeks. God says, stone him. God's way more offended by that than I am. It's like, wow, that's really wild. God really hates sin. Or Adam and Eve, you know, they eat the forbidden fruit. Well, okay, kick them out of the garden for a little while, or... I don't know. (laughs) No more of that fruit. Get a spanking. You know, it seems like there are some options here. And and God says, okay, because you did that, then you're banned from the garden, which means you can't eat from the tree of life, which means you're going to die. The timer's started, you're going to die, and you won't live eternally. And the same thing goes for all of your descendants for all the rest of history. That's pretty strong. God really hates sin. You know, and you think of hell and, and, you know, we try to wrestle with these things. We're not going to get it. We don't hate sin that much. God hates sin way more than we could fathom. And Yet he loves us. He loves us like crazy, way more than we could understand. And we've got to hold those things in balance, I think. So let's uh, just look at some verses to think about this. this. These are all in the New Testament, after the time of Jesus, in the age of grace, if you want to call it that. In Acts 5.3, Ananias has sold a field, and he's donated some of the money to the apostles, a fair amount, I assume. And it looks really good. He's a spiritual guy. Hey, great, good for you. But he held back some of the money. And so this is what happens. As Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? In other words, you could have done what you wanted. You could have brought a portion of the money. Just don't lie about it. Is what made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. God killed him. He lied and God killed him. His wife came home and they said, hey, is this what happened with the money? She's like, oh yeah. And she died too. God killed her. Now, I don't think... that when you lie, God's gonna strike you dead. But I think this new phase had, had come into existence where Jesus existed. Okay, now we're in this phase of grace and, and God made an example out of them. saying, I want you guys to be serious about sin. And so when they sin, he struck them dead. A lot like maybe the guy that collected the firewood. I don't think all firewood collectors were probably killed. But it's it's a statement. God's saying, I'm still very serious about sin. And these things make us very uncomfortable. But I I just want us to understand, God really hates sin. That's what we need to take away from this part of the message. Uh, Let's go to the next verse. 1 Corinthians 5.11 um, talk about somebody who's sinning in the church. It says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So, uh, you know, you think about the New Testament. What, what, what are the main teachings? What are the things that we really need to get? Well, Jesus said the most important commandment was that we would love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second most important commandment was that we would love our neighbor. The new commandment was that we would have a special love for one another. Special bond, special commitment to each other. And now God's saying, but if someone sins in these ways... Cut him off. Don't even eat with him. Why? Well, like I said, God hates sin way more than I understand. I can't give you a great why. I can kind of be like, well, you know, because it's harmful. and <laughs> You know, I, I can try to kind of explain it, but I, I just want to point out, God is very serious about this. We can argue the details, But I think we'd have to agree, God is very serious about sin. So much so that we could cut somebody out of our friendship, out of our fellowship, because they won't repent, because they're holding on to sin. And that's not the way God wants his church family to be. 1 Corinthians 11 deals with communion. And it says, For those who eat and drink without discerning, the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, which is a euphemism for have died, right? And so back then their communion times were what I think of was like a potluck. And so they would get together and they would eat together and drink communion together and In Corinth, they were doing this in a way where it was not about God anymore. And so what would happen is they would get together and there'd be people in the front of the line that would like get all the food and and they would get to eat, they'd stuff themselves and people at the end wouldn't get any food. And there'd be people who were getting drunk at communion. And Paul is addressing this and he's saying, hey guys, you know, the, the way you treat God during communion is so offensive to him that he's made some of you weak and sick and some of you he's already struck dead this is new testament like like wow god's still really serious about sin let's go to the end of scripture revelation 19 It's one of the last few chapters of the Bible. powerful passage. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven are You know, kind of the shepherd, the good shepherd, and he has the little lamb over his shoulders. That's a great picture of that God loves us more than we can imagine. But this is a different picture, right? This is a picture of, of Jesus bringing judgment upon sin that he hates and that he cannot stand. And oh, man, he sounds serious. He's not holding the lamb. In this passage, it talks about how it says, he treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. (laughs) Woo, that sounds crazy. Uh, So a wine press, obviously, is, is when they crush grapes, right? So they're making wine, and so they take a bunch of grapes, and maybe mechanically they might crush them some way, or they step on the grapes, and then grape juice flows out the bottom. And this passage reminds me of another one Earlier in Revelation, Revelation 14, verse 18, it says, Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Sickle is like a, a curved blade that you would use for harvesting or cutting down weeds. It says, Take your sharp sickle and gather the cluster of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe the angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. Why is he so mad at grapes? They were trampled in the winepress and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia, about 184 miles. So, So we see blood is what's coming out of the wine press. So what are the grapes? They're people. God is pouring out his wrath on these people, and and figuratively, he's throwing them into this wine press, and they're getting stomped or crushed until blood is flowing out. And it's, it's making a river of blood that's roughly five feet high and I don't know how wide it is. I don't know if it's like the Poudre River or the Mississippi or the Missouri or, or, or what this looks like. So let's just, let's just take a little triangle. So let's say it's five feet high and it's just a triangle like this. I think that makes an area of like 14.5 square feet. If we took 14.5 square feet triangle and we took that for 184 miles, we could calculate how much blood is in that river. And there's like 1.3 gallons of blood per person, thanks to Google. That makes about 81.4 million people being thrown into the wine press and being crushed and stomped, and blood pouring out. Best case with a river this wide. God hates sin. That's horrible. And yet we can go through life kind of like, ah, it's no big deal, I can just do whatever. No, God hates sin. He will, he will judge sin. He will correct us. He'll train us. He'll punish us. He doesn't just laugh it off. Now, oh man, praise God that Jesus took This wrath for us on the cross. Man, whew, thank you for that. I mean, that's our saving grace, right? Praise God for that. But let's not lose sight of, God's still serious about sin. Don't be lighthearted. Don't just, don't give in to a path of sinfulness. Just a a few quick closing thoughts here. Takeaways. One, just set a course of following God. Sow good seeds. I think we could have the picture of like, whoa, I need to obey him because otherwise he's gonna strike me down. And That's not the takeaway that I would want for you here today. I think of Jesus when he's, he's like, come follow me. Come follow me. He's tender. He's humble in heart. He has a good path for you. And trust him with your life. You have have this dream. It might be the same as God's dream for you. It might be very different. But but follow him. Jesus is like, hey, come follow me into this life. I I have your interests in mind. I have good for you. It's like a parent has good in mind for their kids. The kids don't always like it. But the parents usually have a much better plan than the kid might have. And so I would encourage you to, to... Think about that. I think sometimes Jesus calls us and he's like, Come follow me. And they're just kind of like, "Ah, Thanks, but no thanks. Trust him. Trust him. If you're off course, just turn. That's repentance you've been sowing bad seeds, yeah, welcome to the club. We all have sown bad seeds. Stop throw, throwing bad seeds on the ground. Stop these choices that are going to put darts in your face. Trust him. Follow him. Sow seeds according to his path. Confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to others. I think a lot of, a lot of kids in high school, I think I was maybe this way a little bit, but you know, there's kind of this, if you picture a little kid running through the house, and they're ready to go outside to play, and they run through the house and they smack open the screen door, and they run outside, and it's like, yeah. And I think a lot of kids in high school they kind of do that, and they're they're they graduate, and then they run. They're running from their parents, they're running from God, they're running from what's right, they're running from the rules that they've been given, and they slam open the screen door and they run out, and then a lion eats them. Ate one of my kids. And he's eaten other kids that sat in a room just like this, this very same room. And he's going to eat some of you. And you're going to see it. And in five years, you're going to look back and say, oh, that's Steve talked about that guy. So I'm not meaning to point to anybody in particular. This message sucks. I get it. I don't want you to go through the pain that I went through. Be serious. Be serious. One more point. God hates sin. God loves you. You know, There's lots of grace for the repentant, for the humble, for the faith-filled. One of my wrestles with this message is I I look at our teens and our youth group and they already struggle with so much guilt. I I don't want to put more guilt on you. Man, you're following God. You're fighting the fight. Good for you. You're losing the battle sometimes. Things aren't going well. You make some bad choices. That's part of fighting the fight. But don't set a course where you give in and you give up and you're like, I'm just going to let the flesh win. That's what I'm talking about. Do not do that, you will die. Stay on course. That's the good life. You're gonna sin, you're gonna fall. There's no need to go through life feeling guilty all the time. Jesus has taken care of our sins. Walk in that. Man, praise God for that. And I hope hope Dove rescues me with his message (laughs) coming up because he's got some good news for you. And that's really important to balance with this message. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, I, uh, I just pray that you'd work on our hearts. Again, I know if I heard this message when I was in high school, I, it probably just would have gone in one ear and out the other. Yet it's so important to me now. God, help us to hear from you. Help us to balance this this understanding of your love and grace with just the seriousness of sin and the damage it causes. And the devil's out to get us and oh man, just help us to help us to trust you and to follow you and believe that you have a good life that you're calling us into. We love you. Thank you for this time here. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hey, okay, thanks, Steve. All right, well, I'm going to uh, give us a little little direction and lay out some of the plans for the rest of the day. We are going to take a break right now, a little bit of an extended break till, till 11. Okay, so we're going to come back here at 11, and then Dove's going to teach us. So we have 50 minutes there. Um, I would encourage you, obviously, you can hang out with, with each other, and you can um, get to know each other better, but um, Steve also just gave us... Gave us um, I think a convicting message, and um, and I imagine some of you may feel feel that. I, I think it could be Holy Spirit conviction. And so, if you want to take some time over this next fifty minutes, um, you could go for a walk outside, or just find a little little nook somewhere in the the uh, the building and just process with God and say, God, God, where do you want to to take me um, from this? I think that'd be great as well. Um, but just a couple couple other things. Uh, number one. We, um we, we've done this the last few uh, Winter Teen Conferences, but at the end of this afternoon, we're going to have a, a Q&A time, just with all four teachers are going to be up here. And, and really, you can, you can ask any question that you would like. It could be related to what they share, um, but it could be something else, just something that you're maybe wrestling with about God. And so we just want to encourage you to ask any questions that you have, and you can write them down over at this table. So there's some note cards there and some pens. So just write down your questions, put them in that little basket, and then we'll we'll try to answer them up here late this afternoon. Okay. So um, so again, Dub is going to start teaching at eleven. So try to be back here at eleven. After that, we're going to break for lunch at noon, and from noon to two, we're going to eat and then just just have some free time again until two. And then in two, we're gonna come back here, we're gonna um, worship a little bit more, and then Greg Miller is going to teach us. And I think Greg especially is gonna to, going to, going to bring us some of what, what Steve was just mentioning there at the end. Um, the the anecdote to to the uh to, to God's wrath, really. Um, so uh so we're going to worship, and, and Greg's going to teach us. And then after that, we're going to have a little break and then do our Q&A. And then at 5, we're going to break for, for lunch. We have some pe- or dinner. We have some pizzas coming. And, um, and then we'll do, we'll do dinner and free time until 7.30 this evening. And so I'll remind you of those things as we go along. But now let's go ahead and take a break um, until 11. Again, write down questions and drop them in the basket if you have them. Thanks.